Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome to Articulating, a bi-weekly podcast that highlights the black and brown experience at independent schools. My name is Gina Parker-Collins, and I'm an indie school mom, advisor, and founder of Resources in Independent School Education, where we focus on access, application, and enrollment in culturally responsive ways. Yay! And I'm Sam Osborne. I'm a RISE advisor and proud alum of a New York City independent school. I just completed my MBA from Wharton, and I'm now working as a management consultant. In this current age of gentrification, urban change, and the displacement of low-income communities, what obligation does an independent school have to engage the neighborhood where it's housed? Avenues, the World Schools, Parent, Senior Associate Director of Engagement, and Director of Community Engagement, Morgan Jones, joins us to share the school's approach to bridging communities within and beyond its West Chelsea location. Morgan joined Avenues New York in 2019 as Director of Community Engagement and Partnerships. And in addition to this role, he recently joined the admissions team. Morgan holds an MBA from Cornell University's Johnson Graduate School of Management, a BA in Chinese Language and Culture Studies at Middlebury College, and a graduate certificate from the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies at Nanjing University. Morgan was born and raised in New York City, woo, and also lived in China for six years. Here we go. Follow us on Instagram at Articulating. That's Artic, period, U-lating. Thanks for listening. You're a parent, too. And I'm a parent. Yeah, my daughter's in kindergarten. She's doing <laughs> Mandarin. Yeah, she's doing it. She's enjoying it. She's loving it, going on play dates with other parents and everything like that. So it's been awesome. I love it's it. funny. Yeah. I remember I was looking at your signature and it said P35. And I was yeah. like, P35? What the hell is that? <laughs> What's going to be here before you know it? 2035? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 35. That's, that's already thinking ahead. You know, it's a good way for me to tell their families like this is, you know, I'm also a parent, too. I'm not only just here to tell you about the school or I, I also work with your kids, which is important. But I also am a parent so I can feel where you're where you're coming from. You know, yeah, I was P19 and P22. And that seemed so long ago when, you know, we were in 2010. But like time does time does well. It flies. Mm, yeah. Right along. yeah. Yeah. This is her second year now. And so and she's already talking with me about I can't wait for first grade, Dad. I'm like, whoa, okay. We just <laughs> right, got you in preschool. Wow. You know? So yeah. So then your third title, you are a parent, you're uh part of enrollments, and then yeah. you are also the director of community engagement and partnerships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, could you describe that role? Yeah, no problem. I previously come from a background of working in New York City government. I worked in the mayor's office for a period of time under Mayors Bloomberg and Mayor de Blasio. So I already did a lot of community relations. I actually worked in the mayor's community affairs unit for a few years, working with various communities uh, prior to working at Avenues. But um, my role is all about how do I connect the community with our curriculum at Avenues? How do I connect the community with our students directly who might be looking for volunteer opportunities, internship opportunities, things like that? How do I connect that with our parents as well? Because a lot of parents also want to see if the community is doing really well, 
that means that my kid's getting taken care of <laughs> as well, right? So that's another part. And also working with a lot of our staff and faculty about opportunities to engage our community in, in a real legitimate ways. So for example, if our second grade is doing a unit on marine biology um, and they want their students to fit, find ways to be able to implement that in the community, I will reach out to the Hudson River Park Trust, which is really close to our school, have them go visit the Hudson River, meet with the scientists and the educators that are a part of the Hudson River Park Trust, have discussions with them, have our teachers talk to their teachers, and they can connect and find really uh, authentic ways to connect with our community around us. And a lot of it's also about building relationships. So I'm meeting either multiple times a week or a weekly, at the very least monthly, with various groups in our community, be it it's housing residents or local nonprofits, soup kitchens, um, the High Line, parks, anything of that nature, just to make sure that we're keeping a really good relationship with them. Um, they're hearing about what's happening in our school, the growth that's happening in our school, the interests of students that want to volunteer or, or, or do service learning projects in the community. And, uh, and yeah, you watch the documentary about Class Divide. Um, you know, a lot about what Class Divide has a lot to do with my role, um, has pretty much a, a huge part of it. Because we do every year report to our local community board about how we are doing as a school in terms of providing admissions within our community, scholarships within our community, and what kind of community-related projects, community engagement-related projects and service projects are we doing as students, staff, faculty, and parents within our community. We do that every year. And I actually did it very recently in November with our community board and members of our city council would be there, Mem our members of our Manhattan Borough President's Office, other state leaders, uh, legislative leaders, they would be a part of those and listening and hearing what Avenues is doing as far as providing those sorts of resources within our community as well. That's also a part of my role. And when I think about um, a position like this, I, I'm only really familiar with it from, you know, the corporate side, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. I'm yeah. familiar with it from like, for example, Target's partnerships with cultural institutions, things like that. Right. And there's always an element right. of, um, uh, not always, but there's often an element of also maybe uh, employment or activism or lobbying. Yep. Are there elements of that in your role? So not so much about lobbying. We, we pretty much take a fairly apolitical stance to things. We're an education, educational uh, entity. So, you know, we want to allow as much of a uh, open platform as possible for anyone to share their thoughts and opinions, no matter what side they stand on politically on things. Um, but as far as employment is concerned, you know, I will reach out regularly to our community, emailing all of our partners about employment opportunities, be it it's for teaching or working in our facilities or in our food or these other areas pretty regularly. Whenever I hear about something that's open and available in our school, I do that a lot. Um, in a sense with the school, it's slightly different because we're not just looking at that side of it, but we're also looking at students to students within our community that may think, mm, can I really get into avenues or does avenues really fit me? And so I will go out to community events and block the block association meetings, block parties during the summer. I'm putting out flyers and pamphlets and sharing swag from our school and saying, you really should consider applying because 
we take a really we, we, we really want to see more members of our community apply to our school. And that's an important admissions piece for us, an important admissions priority for us is getting students and, and children f- from our community to actually feel like they're open and welcome to apply uh, to our campus. So let's talk a little bit more about talented students that are right there in your neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, when you consider how selective and and rejective independent school admissions can be, mm-hmm. um, you're looking for top talent. Um, are you finding it challenging to get students who are really prepared to be a part of that rigorous admissions process. Mm, yeah. And if not, considering we're talking about housing projects, we're talking about students that may not have had the resources in early childhood development to be prepared. Yeah. So I'm curious if um, part of that community engagement is avenues supporting the development, preparing yep. younger students, early childhood aged students to be able to prepare for admissions and be successful with it? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, So, I mean, obviously we have students that are coming from public housing or affordable housing or different financial situations or even educational situations who are older that apply into our school and get in as well, too. But definitely we like starting earlier as well. Um, it's just an easier way to come in. We have we have immersion language. That's also a part of what we do here at Avenues. So regardless of whoever you are, the earlier that you can come and apply into our school, the better we can get you started on immersion really early um, that will help with with your development through all of our grades here from our early learning center, from nursery uh, up to kindergarten, especially from first through fifth grade, where immersion is a pretty big focus of our school. The earlier that we can get our, our, our students involved and applying and, and in our school at that level, the better. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing, and particularly over the last three years, is having a session about navigating the independent school process where we invite all members of the public to attend. We'll reach out to local community groups, particularly in our area. So we'll send this through our community board, through our public housing in our community, um, as well as through the Hudson Gill, which is one of the local community centers that's across the street from our school, and let them know about these sessions. These sessions are open to all parents and families to attend, and we break down not only about the admissions process for Avenues, but any independent school in New York City to consider. What are the key transition grades that people should be looking at, you know, between kindergarten to one, between grades five and six, getting ready for middle school, between grades eight and nine, and just make that a public related event um, that we do multiple times a year. We always get about at least 70 or 80 people that are attending each time um, for those sort of open sessions. It's just a way for us to kind of reach out. And then our own admissions team will visit multiple schools. Of course, we have all these different feeder schools and different connections that we have within our community as well. Um, But again, we're also doing the same thing for any local community organizations that are nearby. So again, Hudson Guild is another example. It's so close to us. They have their own early learning center um, 
our, our admissions team members will meet with their staff and work with their staff directly and say, well, who are some students that might be you know, really interested in coming to Avenues? We'd love to have them on by, come by for a tour, or we can sit down and talk with parents face-to-face and share what we're working on and who we are, what are our programs, what does our curriculum look like? We have to be very proactive and genuine in terms of reaching out and making sure that people understand what our process is like. And we start that very early and with as many young families as possible. Wow. Um, it's, first of all, um, I feel like a convert listening to you, my goodness. Um, second of all, <laughs> it occurred to me that it's very, this is all very familiar to me and Gina being New York residents. Yeah. Um, I think it might be helpful for listeners to just sort of lay the um, the track work. We're talking about Hudson Yards, everything. Um, yeah. Uh, the, oh, the, that was about, good, Sam. That was a good one, Sam. <laughs> about, <laughs> it's very the, good. About the West Chelsea community and just yeah. sort of the context behind why um, a role like yours may exist for avenues. Well, yeah. speaking of the neighborhood, the West Chelsea neighborhood, and you you brought up the Hudson Guild a few times. Yeah. Watching the documentary, Class Divide, did... First of all, I didn't know that the Hudson Guild was like 250 years old. That's right. That's right. For years. They've been around for a long time. Started by uh, Dr. Elliot um, many, many years ago. And so they're really, honestly, uh, one for of the immigrant big... Families, immigrant here. families that were immigrants coming... Well, it's a sell- it was a settlement house, you know, it was a settlement house that was meant to help these families who are immigrants be able to build community. Right. And so but then the community has changed the makeup, the races of the community more, you know, more black and brown people moving into the community. But then Chelsea had a lot of artists coming into the community and the artists are still here. Right. They're still very vibrant here. And then you see Hudson Yards come alive. I think the High Line also made probably a huge impact, particularly in terms of tourism. <laughs> so High Line is gorgeous. It is a it's beautiful gorgeous. area. And we have a partnership with them as well, too, you know, where we're we're connecting with them. And, and they're, the High Line actually faces um, our cafeteria. So we can oh, we have these garage doors, sort of windows that open out to the High Line at our cafeteria. Sam, we have I have to bring you to visit. It is it is a tremendous space. So there's just, it's really, as, as you mentioned earlier, Gina, it's an extremely dynamic community, but it's also seen so much change. It's seen a lot of wealth uh, come into this community, particularly, especially with Hudson Yards being here. Um, you know, our schools here as well, too. So that also brings a lot of attention to the community, but I think it's actually a lot of positive attention. It's really funny. I was talking with the um, Tennis Association president of the of the uh, Elliot Chelsea houses. Her name is Ms. Waters. She's lived in the community for the last 40, almost 50 years. And one of the jokes that she shares with me, she says, oh, when, when your school is open at Avenues, it's much easier for me to get an Uber to actually get an Uber to come into the community when you're around. So I'm glad when you're open, actually, when you're here, yeah. because there's just so many people that are coming and, and congregating here for school or for work, in my case, uh, to be here in the community. So and she's just she's actually really happy about it that we're here because it just adds a level of even more dyna- dynamic presence, especially with our youngest students that want to work with our community here. That's the thing about gentrification. You know, on the one hand, um, you can resent um, people coming in and, and taking yeah. over your home and um, perhaps displacing you. So I'm glad to know that the um, 
the Elliott houses are under renovation as opposed to just being done away with, right? Because that was a question that was in the documentary, which is almost a decade old now. Yes, yes. That documentary. But, you know, gentrification is something, I mean, the the flip side is that you can't get that Uber or you can't Mm -hmm. go to that restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we have some Mm -hmm. other choices and options. And I think as long as gentrification comes with Embracing the community that's right that you're in and recognizing its value and its wholeness yeah um culturally uh I think you know ultimately it's it's a good it could be a win-win for everyone yeah I agree I, one of the things that students or students here focus a lot on and I think also the community enjoys as well too is um, in the cases where where people may need help or may have a real need. So especially during COVID, this came up about a lot where it's how do we use our resources and this community to help support each other when things are really down and things are very tough. Um, you know, we had members in our in our in our um, Elliott Chelsea houses that there are a lot of seniors that are there and many of them don't speak. They, they may only speak Spanish or they only speak Chinese and they need to get access to food, medicine. Uh, voter registration as well. That was all happening during this time of the pandemic. And um, some of the city council, one of the city council members and some of the community groups around here set up a, a phone bank during COVID. And everyone had to, had to be separated at that time. But they set up this phone bank to reach out to all the seniors that were homebound during that time. And, um, you know, one of the things that we were invited to do was help out with some of those phone calls. And so some of our faculty and staff, particularly in our sixth grade and some members of our upper grades as well, um, we made phone calls. We received the list of all of these phone numbers from our from uh, from the city council member's office and the Hudson Guild of all as many seniors as possible that reside in the community. And so for about two or three months, we were helping making all those phone calls. And because we have immersion Spanish and we have immersion Chinese, we were also able to make many phone calls in those other languages because there is a real need from the folks organizing the event to find people who actually speak the language that can talk to these seniors that live here. And many of them live in, in public housing. And we would reach out to them and say, hey, hello, how are you doing? Do you need food? We'll get you food from the city or we can get you food from our own school because our school was closed for a period of time. And we, but our food service provider, we still had a contract with them we could use that contract to deliver food straight over to our seniors once our students were making those calls, once our faculty and staff were making those calls. We'd bring back that information to city government, to the Public Housing Tenants Association leads, uh, to the Hudson Guild and say, here are the seniors that we need to reach out to that need voter registration forms, that they need their medication and how we can deliver it to their doorstep because this is a time of, of heavy COVID no one's able to leave their homes. And so mm. students are able to get involved in that and we can pool our resources together in a really authentic way to help people um, at their worst. And everyone was going through a lot during COVID. So, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so wonderful that this school was able to partner in this way. Um, and it's actually making me think about um, your stakeholders because truly, you know, in this role, you have to serve a number of audiences. Yes, right. Is there 
a central stakeholder where when it comes to the end of your year and you're assessing your performance and you're saying, okay, this person was happy, so I've done my job. Yeah. Who would that be? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. I mean, I always look at our community board as a huge stakeholder for us. So the community board, you know, New York City has um, about 59 community boards. They're selected by members of the city council and uh, and the, the borough president of, of that of that borough. Um, so in our case, a Manhattan borough president. And every year we report to them. We've been doing this. I think since the documentary, somewhere around that time, so since about 2015. And um, that's a lot of that's related to some land use and rezoning that also had to happen uh, in terms of, of, of having the building that we're in right now, because we're in a landmark building that's been around for a while and some changes need to happen. And so we report on, 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 those, on how we do and how we're doing as a good community citizen to our community board. Um, and we send them a report, but we also present on that publicly every year. Um, and so that's sort of a key stakeholder that we reach out to. Um, we have our head of school presenting there and I present there uh, on behalf of our admissions and enrollment team and on behalf of community engagement in our school. So most recently, we've been talking a lot with um, our community board about asylum seekers that have come in our community here because we have a lot of hotels that are here and those hotels become temporary housing for asylum seekers that are here sent from Venezuela via Texas to here as well. And so um, I'll work with the community board and say, okay, well, where are many of these asylum seekers located? What are their needs? Do they need games? Do they need toys? Do they need um, cool education materials? Because we know a lot about that because we're a school. <laughs> and also, um, we like knowing about it because our parents also like knowing about it as well, because our parents also want to get involved in providing those materials that are needed by asylum seekers that are here. And that's down to clothes, shoes, Anything, you know, there are asylum seekers that are in this community. They came in during the colder fall and winter months, but they're coming from wherever warm climate they're coming from. And they don't even have boots. They don't have warm coats to wear. And so um, so I talk a lot with the community board to find those opportunities. And they'll even reach out to us to ask us if our parent community families or even our students would work on some sort of drive or things of that nature to help donate items or gift items in some way, shape or form. So. Community Board 4 is really a, a critical stakeholder for our school and one that I reach out to and connect with often and regularly. So, so, so it's, I would, it makes me think that your um, role is uh, a little bit more outward facing than inward facing. Okay. Um, well, I guess to shift to inward facing, yep. um, when it comes to parents and students, um, you know, the reality is, is that the average Avenue's family, um, the tuition they're paying exceeds the average household income of so many of these um, West Chelsea uh, housing complex residents. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, there's perhaps a cultural dissonance or a class dissonance Um and, you know, one of the things that came up in the documentary, and it's certainly come up at, you know, my school, I went to college in West Philly, and there was always the mm -hmm. concerns about safety and everything, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, whether they were valid or not, um, the questions yeah. would come up. Um, yeah. How do you navigate those conversations if they're coming up with families? 
So the beauty of our families at Avenues is, um, so we have our own Avenues Parent Association. And in the Avenues Parent Association, there's lots of different communities and there's very, they're really well organized and there's an executive committee as well too. But within that committee, there's also a community engagement committee. Um, so there are members of, who are parents who I engage with very regularly about anything that's related to community, helping parents understand what's happening in our community. What are our students learning through their curriculum? And how does that connect with our community around us? And ensuring that parents do know that, yes, you know, we have, we come from this particular financial background or, um, or, uh, uh, but they have to also realize that you can't throw money at a problem. You also need to understand and get get your hands dirty and meet and build relationships with people in the community that are around you. And that's what that community engagement uh, committee does very regularly and often. With And so they're meeting with the St. Clement's Food Pantry that's nearby and regularly coming up with ideas and programs for volunteerism to work with them. You know, every year we do this uh, book fair um, that we have. Actually, not even every year. It's actually every season, about once a season during the warmer parts of the season where we do this book fair. And it's right in a park in the middle of public housing. And I'm inviting parents and families to attend. And they show up and they're there. And they're there with the Tenants Association who's partnering with Avenues as a school to do this. It's actually led by some of our faculty and staff. And I'm, I'm inviting them to come in and see it and be around and say, look, just because they live in public housing and you may live in this market rate housing doesn't mean that you're not in the same community, breathing the same air, dealing with the same traffic, dealing with the same safety issues as everybody else. Um, you know, we're, we're all going, we're all one group. Um, that's most important. So those are some examples of ways that I work with parents and work with a community engagement committee that's a part of our Avenues Parent, Parent Association to truly make it authentic and legitimize the importance for parents to understand what happens in our community and who's who and what's what and actually create them also creating those relationships and not just me doing it on their behalf. Do you think it is the obligation of our independent schools to um, engage in the communities that they reside in? Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's actually, I think it's our social duty as independent schools to do that. Schools are beacons of a community, right? Um, you see children passing by you every single day, crossing the street, getting into their classes. Um, there are students who want to, want to get involved in volunteerism, be it that they love to volunteer or they're doing it for a college application, whatever have you. And there's legit legitimacy in that as well too. But Schools must be, we have to be that, we have to be involved in our communities as much as possible because um, if our community isn't safe, if our community doesn't feel comfortable, then why would students wanna come to our school? Why would families wanna send their kids here? At the same time, a lot of folks in the community wanna understand what's going on inside that building. You know, what's happening within that school? Um, is there a way that we can do things in your school? So, you know, we'll work with, you know, organizations like, for, for example, International Rescue Committee, um, which has, is doing a lot with asylum seekers at this point. Um, every summer they have programs physically in our school where we open up our spaces to them. And we have a good amount of space with classroom spaces and common spaces and meeting rooms 
where we can invite them in and have them be here and offer their programs that they're running here when we're not using the building. Because, uh, you know, if we're not using the building and we're paying this money to upkeep it every single year, you know, why not open this up to a wider array of people to be able to enter in our space? And who knows, them entering our space could be just another form of a partnership that we can build together with our students as well. So it's absolutely critical. If we're able to support them, they're able to support us, and then we really become one community. So so we, we've taken community engagement one step further with outreach. That's right. right. When we often think about community engagement, we think about it within. Yeah. But that um, that outreach is extremely important. I think it validates who we are as, as human beings, as citizens. So that's awesome. Well, Sam, uh, Avenues is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, Kim Gaffney came prior to Mrs. Yeah. Jones. Yeah. We also had... Um, Sherry, yes, Sherry, and admissions. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I work with I work with both of them very closely. When it comes to anything that's DEI related or um, uh, staff leadership related, I talk with Kim a whole lot. Um, and she also is a parent at Avenue. She's actually a founding parent at Avenue. So when there's other parents that come to our school, especially those who are um, black and brown that are coming to Avenues and they're feeling a certain kind of way about what am I the only one here? She's able to give a really great experience where she said, you were, yeah, we're, we were one of the first ones here wow. at Avenue. So Kim, Kim really <laughs> speaks from her heart. I mean, you know, we've had her on the vineyard. Um, she's been on our podcast. She is a tremendous gift to Avenues. Uh, the whole team there is amazing. So we just want to thank you for doing what it is that you're doing with intention, right? Um, and you are a world school, so you can easily focus on some, you know, schools on and on other continents. But you yeah. are very focused on your community right in West Chelsea, and and that's a beautiful thing. So we thank you all that you do. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thanks a lot for having us. You know, it's hard for us to understand what happens globally without understanding also what happens locally. So that global local connection, I mean, be it it's COVID or public housing, dealing with homelessness, open space, climate. These are things that are happening abroad, but they're also happening here in our local community. And if we get have students and faculty and parents and staff understand what happens locally here, it helps in terms of getting a sense of how to engage on that in an authentic way globally. Yeah, so thank you for having me and sharing that. If you enjoyed this discussion, please pass it on to a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at articulating. That's at artic period you lading. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.